Hello and welcome, Matthew Grant here, partner at Instech London, and welcome to 2020. I've been spending some time over the Christmas break reviewing our interviews with leaders from some of the world's largest insurance companies that we spoke to last year on the Instec London podcast to see what kind of themes would emerge and what the lessons might be as we look forward to the year ahead of us. A number of topics kept coming up and there are five in particular that I think are going to be very significant this year. It's also going to be no surprise that every one of the people featured here made it into the top 15 of our podcast episode leaderboard that we're going to be releasing this month as well. I spoke to Sean Ringstead, Chief Digital Officer for Chubb in July on podcast 35 when he was over in London from Bermuda. In September, I met with James Slaughter, CEO for Commercial Specialty at Liberty Mutual to report podcast 47. And at this time, Sean and James are the two most downloaded episodes of our podcast. Adrian Jones, who heads up ventures and strategic partners at SCORE Global PNC, was over in London in August for podcast 42. Michelle Williams, head of Allianz Global Corporate and Specialty Central Innovation Unit XSE, was over from Munich when we recorded episode 56. I spoke to Graham Elliott, CEO and founder of Azure Underwriting for episode 37. And finally, we had Kelly Ward, AXA Partners, on stage at Instec London in November. If you haven't heard the full interviews, they are definitely worth a listen. The five themes that emerged are one, focusing on customer issues, two, data with a particular emphasis on IoT or Internet of Things, three, the importance of partnerships, four, augmented underwriting, and five, how to encourage innovation inside an insurance organization. We're starting off with customer focus. Now, it may sound obvious that insurers should focus on their clients, but many insurers are at one step removed from their clients because the broker has the relationship. And the industry at times can overlook or just simply not know what the real needs of the end client is. Now, it's true that companies buy insurance, but what they really want is a way to quickly deal with the problems they've had and get back to work. And the insurance companies that will succeed in the next decade are those that focus on how to help companies do that extremely well. This theme emerged a lot when I was talking to Michelle Williams. We always start our process with a business problem. Um, we don't think about the technology. We really try to identify what is the problem we're trying to solve. When we've identified this, we then look out to the market to say, what is the technology and what is the sort of company that can help us do that? This could be a startup. This could be a larger company. To get these solutions, we, we talk a lot to clients. We talk to the senior members of the organization to really understand where they see our organization being in the next years. And then we work with our clients. We work with our senior members to, to try and find the solutions. To find those solutions, we employ lean startup methods, design thinking, to really get from day one um, a solution that will be valuable for our clients moving forward. Then we have a second area we call the capabilities area. This is um, has a slightly different focus. Its focus is a little bit more internal and this team works directly with our client-facing functions. So underwriting, market management, claims. The idea is they present us with the problems, their business problems, our client business problems, and we work with them to find a, a technology solution to solve those. So any project that we work on has that end value because it always comes from a business problem. Large commercial insurers have traditionally sold via brokers to risk managers. Now they have a critical role to play, but are often limited in their budgets and how they can influence the organisation. 
I asked Michelle if this was a barrier. The risk managers are still very, very important to us and they have huge insights into the company and into what the company needs. For us, uh, it's about more than talking to the risk managers. When you're talking about innovation and the services we as insurers can offer moving forward, we need to also talk to other areas of the business where we can have an impact. So it's good to talk to supply chain managers, finance people, um, where some of the solutions can make a difference, but also where there is a budget to pay for some of these solutions. Because ultimately, while we're looking to innovate and transform and make a difference, we need to be doing doing it in the sense that people are willing to pay for these solutions. And if we want that to happen, we need to be talking to people who have the budgets, who have the problems that we need to solve. Sean Ringstead from Shub also mentioned the need to focus on customers early in our discussion. And so my view, you just have to be so focused on what the business problem is that you're trying to solve and then understand those parameters. And then you bring to bear the tools, the new thinking, right, to help with the with the problem statement. So that could, you know, mention the sort of the customer experience. So that's something that we're very, very focused on in our personal lines book in, in the States and making that customer experience the best that it can be. We're very focused on what we call two-question underwriting. So in the in the states and elsewhere how can we simplify the underwriting process the customer experience and the underwriting insights just by knowing two answers three answers from a customer we also talked about how the customer need is influencing the products chubb is offering now you're thinking about product that's for a driver passenger and it's it's real time it's a different type of product than say we might have offered five ten years ago in a traditional insurance sense you think of innovation in, in the service area. So an ex- some examples of that would be what we're doing in, in the States for our, uh, you know, our high net worth book there in terms of the risk management services that we're, that we're providing. And, and much of that is digitally enabled, whether that's you know, wildfire alerts, hurricane alerts, um, or just providing, say, you know, I'm, dri- I'm driving home and you may not want to go that way because the storm's coming this way to what you know an area of innovation that i'm particularly um bullish about and that's the internet of things although adrian jones's primary role is identifying companies to invest in score's customer needs are still very important i asked him how score balances a desire to make money directly out of their investments compared to bringing solutions to their clients so that's the classic tension between strategic value and, and financial value let me tell you about how we think about that First of all, we are doing this ventures activity because we believe that we are building the insurers of the future. By so doing, we will also build the reinsurer of the future. The insurers of the future that we're building can operate in a couple of different ways. Um, One is we can simply back MGAs and carriers with uh, strategic capacity as well as investment dollars or pounds or euros. Um, Secondly, uh, we are looking for technologies which can help make SCORE a better underwriter. So we exist in the world of aggregated risk. Um, There are some very unique challenges to that world. We're looking for solutions to those. And thirdly, we're looking for solutions for our existing clients and how we turn them into the insurers of the future. Uh, And so we're able to invest across all three of those theses. Kelly Ward at AXA Partners is open to companies bringing new ideas but they need to be grounded in reality. We do know what our problems are. Quite often we get um, smaller startups telling us, do you know you've got a problem? Yes, we do. Um, We've been dealing with that problem for quite some time. I think the answer is, tell us why it's a problem in the customer's eyes. 
tell us what solution you've got, and a bit like that connected home um, evidence that I gave you, tell us how it works commercially, and then answer those points, and you have our ear. Graham Elliott found it deserved to be a managing digital agency. The client is at the heart of what they do, and he's very focused on improving efficiency across the entire business. If you look at the data models of some of the legacy enterprise software providers, they've recognised an insured object in the data model, they recognised an insured person, but they don't have a client in there necessarily. Well, that is, tells you everything about it. It was built for a different era. And now we're in an era where the customer's king and distribution is one out over capital. And uh, we're moving into product now and services. Oh, yes, data. Everyone is talking about the value of data and no surprise that it turns up in every podcast episode. Increasingly, we've also been hearing about opportunities for IoT, the Internet of Things. And this is a second theme that stood out. Everyone sees potential, but there is some way to go to be able to determine the best solutions. Graham explains some of the challenges the industry needs to overcome. If you look at the activity of a lot of data scientists in big companies, I would argue that 80% of their time is spent cleansing and finding and trying to mess around with the data, and 20% of the time is spent actually analysing and drawing conclusions from it. And that's because the core systems that those businesses sit on weren't built for the age of data. They were built for counting money, and it's not the same thing. Sean Ringstead is also a big fan of the potential for IoT. For me, I think it is the Internet of Things. I mean, there are a lot of enablers out there, and clearly, you know, the pace continues to to quicken, right? Whether it's cloud, uh, whether it's whether it's five G, all all of these are going to be very, very important enablers. I, I think the Internet of Things is a is a big one. It just has such a it has the potential to have such a profound impact in terms of how the industry prices, well, how it assesses risk exposure and then prices for it you know whether it's a whether it's a building a car or or you as a person right this this spans and i put when i say internet of things you know i expands the wearables and on the on the life and a and h side so it, it's it's a pretty broad and encompassing um technology um increasingly with the cost of uh, of census etc coming down on 5g the ability to connect sensors uh, you know whether it's around building or people or mobile mobile assets, I think is really going to change how we think about insurance. But you know it's important I think to put the problem first, what you're trying to do, and then often the technologies that you're knitting together um, to to enable that it's going to be a mix of things. You know, so if I, if I'm trying to enable something that's real time. Um, so it's the trip delay I mentioned or, or, or car. I mean, you're going to need cloud. You're going to need artificial intelligence in that. Um, you know, whereas say something like the the IoT and the sensor is going to need a different mix of mix of technologies. Understanding the data is an area where Allianz has invested heavily. I mean, IoT is an interesting topic for us, and it's something that we're currently investigating um, quite a high level of detail. I think there are a number of challenges. Um, those challenges from our perspective are what is the real value that we add from an insurance perspective why would a customer give us data because it has to be more about premium reduction if you're working in the corporate space premium reduction isn't really so much of an option because of everything you have to take into account so if you look in the retail space if you look at motor if you look at health there are direct applications where if somebody 
is healthy, they get premium reduction. If somebody drives better, they have a benefit to their own premium. It's not so straightforward in the corporate space. So there has to be more, there has to be a value add, there has to be something from our knowledge and experience that we can bring to our clients through IoT, which adds a value. And this is the this is the the intangible piece that I think we're all searching for at the moment. We have a data science team. They work very closely with our innovation teams and with our capabilities team. But this is all about in, in enhancing the internal capabilities and use of data, democratizing the data for our, our people to use differently, to use better, to gain better insights. But it's also about training and upskilling and really teaching people that data isn't scary. It can be used and it can deliver results which enable us to make much better decisions to support our clients. And IoT is also important for liberty, as James Slaughter explained. If we go to IoT, I think there's huge opportunity. And I've, I've spoken about how you could envisage uh, IoT-enabled blockchains for immediate claim settlement post-hurricane, for example, where wind speeds are measured. You do fairly parametric-driven measures for roof damage given a wind speed, and, and you, could, you could envisage a world in which that's much more digital and and efficient but right now i think there's a long way to go in terms of our ability to ingest and and manage data more broadly across the industry and i think there's still an element in the commercial space certainly where there's a lot more value being created just in what we're doing today and we can do a better job at that rather than um, take our focus off the core and, and explore too far onto the edge as kelly ward explained there is a core need to ensure that the technology solution, the sensors, etc., are cost-effective and satisfy the client's need. So to give you an example, looked a lot in the connected home market, seen a lot of um, startups come to us as an organisation and others as well solving uh, what, what they think is the problem. The, the problem is not that a customer is looking for some exciting tech around their home. The problem is that they want to make uh, the usability and the cost work. So we asked a couple of years ago, the data is still valid, we asked customers, if you had a perfect connected home, what would it look like? So we did that, and then we priced how much it would cost. And it was over £600. We then asked them how much they were willing to pay for it, and it was 127 There's our problem. How, how do we solve it? And the answer is we get better technology, better usability at cheaper price. And for Azure, it's about being able to get access and analyse the volume of data. I think data is going to commoditise more and more, and the data companies will merge, and, and you'll get bigger and bigger data sets. One of the problems for a, a niche business is you don't have breadth, horizontal breadth of data, so you don't have big data horizontally. And so therefore, what you want to get is big data vertically on each risk. We have access to 27 million mortgage surveys, so we have property-specific data. Uh, We're looking up floods, subs, sanctions, everything else. And then we've got a lot of modelling going on in the background around confidence scores on how many bedrooms it's got. It's well recognised now that, certainly in commercial specialty space, the future has to include collaboration, not just disruption. So for our third theme... Michelle explains it's still not always easy to find solutions that work for both insurer and the end client. There is still a lack of trust. There is still a fear that if if our customers share data with us, we will use that and it will impact them negatively. Um, it, it's still very much um, very cyclical in the sense that 
they don't want to share data because we can't prove the value, but we can't prove the value until we have the data. This is what we're trying to tackle at the moment, is find, finding those one or two com companies willing to work with us to really try and investigate how we can do that. And at Chubb, it's about ensuring that the partnerships are embedded in the core of the business. Partnerships, as I mentioned, are very important for us. So making sure that you know we're set up in a way organisationally and then how those teams work and operate, agile and in, in, in inverted commas, is important. We're, we, we've not set up in a way where we have uh, an in, innovation lab, inverted commas, that's, that's sitting there somewhere. We've, we've got innovation, but it's harnessed very much with the, with the business problem in mind. James emphasised why incumbent insurers still have a critical role to play in helping the industry advance. What we've seen is people got very excited, particularly in disintermediation uh, and, and direct and efficiency-focused innovation and quickly realised that that's all well and good, but you've actually got to partner with someone who can help drive that. So I think there's a realisation that you can't just take the incumbents and assume that they're rubbish and off, the, off point and going to fail and think you're going to beat them. And for those two reasons I mentioned, the, the first being regulation and structure and the second one being you need us to help with the data, to help verify the model, to then help create the value. Azure, which as a relatively new company, has been able to build a full digital stack. It uses partnerships to get access to the best third-party technology. We don't want to build anything that's already been built. So if there's a great CRM platform out there, don't build your own. If there's a great CMS platform out there, don't build your own, just, you know, just take what's out there as best in class. And it seems to me that there's a lot of bespoke software and on older stacks. And that is neither built for connectivity, nor is it particularly, dare I say it, nor does anybody particularly want it. Because what you want is to keep people in, the, in your own world and not allow them to stray outside of it. And it's Hotel California time. And that's the thing you've got to avoid and if you're in an ecosystem it's much better if you're running native but if you're not running native you build a you know api in it's great in 2018 people were talking about trying to remove the underwriter from the process but we're hearing far less about this today this is a fourth theme that clearly emerged it's much more about the augmented underwriter providing tools to help the efficiency of people rather than replace them altogether graham elliott explains Augmented underwriting is we're great at things as human beings and you still need human beings, but you could be even better if you had a bit of help from the machine. And, and, and in two ways. Firstly, if you enrich the data, um, you have a, a, the chance of delivering the asymmetric user experience that's so necessary for a 21st century product. So if you've got five questions on the happy path for the broker and the end insured, then that's a pretty painless experience to get a quote and you can do it in 90 seconds versus 40 questions and it's taking you 25 minutes. Um, at the back end, with data enrichment, the carrier, in our case, AIG, gets 66 rating variables. So by using data enrichment that way, you give a great UX both ends. You satisfy both needs. But you have a model and you train the model and then you run the data um, uh, live data through versus historical data and you work out whether you're likely to win a risk 
and whether it's likely to claim or not. And it doesn't stop you, the underwriter, from making the decision, but it just helps you. And there's a lot of people on Wall Street who use quant underlays to help them select stocks because there's just more data out there than you can process as a human being. So you have a strong instinct and the machine's just saying to you, you know what, you're right on this one, I agree with you, or you want to be careful, and then it'll tell you why. And you might still go ahead and underwrite it. And that, that is applicable not just to a high-volume class of business. I think that augmented underwriting is going to be an absolutely common thing. In, in 10 years' time, it, it, everybody will be using it. And James Slaughter agrees. So I don't think it's things they couldn't do. It's about how much and the capacity and the effective and efficient nature in which they carry out their work. So a good example would be triage. So if you have a well-articulated appetite, as you have your inbound submissions, there is pretty simple technology that you can uh, screen uh, and start to rank those submissions based on attractiveness, um, metrics like uh, propensity to bind, um, uh, and estimates around what sort of rate you might get. So you could have 500 submissions in a week, but your underwriter can only really deal with 100. Instead of picking the first 100 that come through the door, just a simple bit of technology can allow you to, to rank those. Uh, against our most attractive from an appetite perspective and most likely to bind. So our effort is concentrated in those areas where we're most likely to succeed in those areas that we are most attracted to from an underwriting perspective. And a reminder of the importance of customer focus again. So a very simple, it's not overly advanced technology, but it's using um, some of those uh, machine learning capabilities that we're, we're building. And for me, it's about the underwriter Um, focusing on our best prospects. So as an underwriter, I always think about the things that I get rewarded by. So that would be the size of my portfolio, the profitability of my portfolio, the ability to sell the right products to the the right customers. If I can find ways to unlock my efficiency and do more of that as an underwriter, I'm going to feel better. So I think triage is a very good example where technology is not doing something for the underwriter that they couldn't do but it's doing it in a way that allows us to be much more effective uh, and more efficient uh, in our underwriting application. One of the areas that interests me is how insurers encourage their own people to come up with innovative ideas when people are so busy with their day jobs. A question I put to all of our guests. For this fifth theme James Slaughter explains how Liberty do it. That's one of the the sort of leadership challenges you face, I think, in innovation, new business type structures. And in large companies, quite often people have good ideas, but um, quite often um, they've got their day job and it's difficult. So what we've done is created a a pathway for ideas. So if you've got a great idea and you're sat in our Western office um, and you think you probably don't have the time to do it, but you think it's a great idea and it's going to bring loads of value for our customers, we have a mechanism by which you can bring that through to our innovation team and and we can scan it and do some preliminary work with your support. And if it's it's a really good idea, it will go up to our innovation council uh, and we'll give it some corporate backing. Adrian Jones has been delighted by how much input he has had from his colleagues at SCORE, significantly reducing how much time his team need to spend sourcing deals and ideas. I think what has been uh, a, a very positive surprise, and I'll put my score hat back on for a moment here, um, is we've been really supported by people in the organization much more than I expected. Uh, I've had several people come and sit down in front of my desk and say, Adrian, I'm really excited about what you're doing. T- please tell me, like, what can I do to support you? 
Um, and I, I've had several of those conversations, and I've had other people who'd, who'd never have said that, but they've just started sending things our way. Uh, and so actually we source a lot of our deals just because people are out there in the market and they're known. And when they find these sort of things, they then uh, send them on to us and, and we work with them to try to execute. Uh, so we spend very little time actually trying to proactively source ourselves. Um, so that's one area where we take out a significant chunk of, of time. Uh, we also don't need to fundraise, um, which is quite nice. Finally, many of the people I've interviewed are also supporting us as corporate members of Instec London. And it's also very interesting to find out why they joined and what they like about what we do. The night before I spoke to Adrian, he had been to one of our events in the Steelyard. Your event was great because it's short and sweet. Uh, there are, what, seven, eight people uh, that spoke over the course of an hour, probably. Uh, and then, of course, you had the, the one-minute pitches at the very end, um, which I find great because you, you learn as much in one minute as you do in an hour sometimes. And for Graham Elliott, it was driven by his own people. We've got a lot of young people in our company. We're 70 people now, and um, it's a very mixed, very diverse group of people, um, lots of energy in there, lots of curious people. And then three or four people come up and say, I've been to one of their events, it was fantastic. And that makes you sit up and take notice. So then you think, okay, we maybe ought to be engaging with this and, and talking to it. And, and I think um, you guys are very early on the scene on this and, and you've got a very good following, lots of energy. A good following and lots of energy. It's a great way to summarize what we got up to in 2019 and also what we've been seeing happening in the world of InsureTech and tech and insurance. I hope you found something here useful and stimulating. I certainly did going back over these again. The full discussions are definitely worth listening to in full and we'll have more interviews to follow coming in 2020. If you'd like to know more about Instec London and what we offer to our members, you can find us at www.instec.london. If you have someone you think would be a good member or a guest on the podcast, drop us a line at hello at instec.london. And finally, have a great 2020.